0: We've been looking at Old Testament passages of Scripture and we're going to continue to do so. We began with a message on foundational Old Testament texts. We looked at the creation, we looked at Adam and Eve, we looked at sin in the Garden of Eden, Tower of Babel, and all of those stories that became foundational for our faith. After that, we continued our series and we looked at Abraham and Sarah, and we saw how they, as the patriarch and matriarch, sort of the the, um, George Washington, only not of America, but of our faith, again laid down a path that we live out of in our relationship with God. And now we're continuing it in sort of the third part of this sermon series as we're taking other key Old Testament figures, and And stories. What I realized as I went into this is this gives us an opportunity sometimes to look at some biblical texts that we don't look at other times. And that can be challenging because, you know, when we take some of those familiar stories, the messages are sometimes a little bit easier, but when we take all of the scripture and we look through the entirety of what God has given to us in 66 books, sometimes we come across passages and we say, wow, wait a second, I don't actually necessarily remember that, and so as we go and we dig deeper into the Scripture, we discover that all of these Bible stories and all of these teachings are there for our benefit. This morning is one of those passages, and it's something that could look like a chance encounter by two people, but I hope as we dig into it further, we'll discover that it has much to do with how we live our lives. The two people that we're looking at this morning are Obadiah and Elijah. Now we certainly know Elijah through the stories in First Kings of his encounter with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. This is a story that occurs before that, after he's encountered the widow in the middle of a drought that has hit Palestine. Obadiah we probably are more familiar with, not so much out of the narratives in First Kings, but out of the fact that his prophecy is one of the minor prophets in the end of the Old Testament scriptures. But I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to join along with me. The text is actually First Kings chapter 18. I'm going to begin ver- reading with verse 7. I am reading out of the English Standard Version. We're told that as Obadiah was on his way, behold, Elijah met him. I know, but I recognized him, and he fell on his face, and he said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered, and he said, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say to me, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. As soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you to I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he can't find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And yet now you say, go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah's here, and he'll kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went and met Ahab and told him, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. We talk about the core values of faith community church. We say they are three different things. They're loving Christ. Over the years, we hope to be able to um, empower Impact our lives and unpack what it means to be loving Christ. It's about making Jesus Lord of our life and turning our life and our will over to Him. Then we talk about growing relationships. Growing relationships means that as Christ centered people, we grow godly relationships, it's how we relate to one another how we relate to our children, how we grow our relationships in our family, and how we grow our relationships with each other. But it's also on all those happenstance and chance encounters we have in our life. And sometimes those experiences and those people that we run into that we don't necessarily want to have a relationship with, but God has somehow brought them into our life. And that's much of what I'm going to talk about this morning. The third Core value we talk about is reshaping lives, how it is through the ministry of our church and what God does in our lives that the purpose for God is to turn us into the people that God wants us to be. But when we get talking about growing relationships, so often we think of those primary relationships in our lives. I think about my relationship with Regina or my relationship with my boys or daughter-in-law soon to be Grandchild, there's number two. Every week we'll make sure we work that into a sermon somehow. (laughs) Relationships with our congregation, relationship with church leaders, how we grow our relationships this afternoon as we gather with Christians from other churches. But you know, there's just a lot of times that God calls us into relationships with people that let's be honest, folks. We don't want to be in those relationships. There are things and encounters we have in our life that we would just as soon, they not happen. Now you're sitting there thinking, not me. Oh, that's not true. It's true of all of us. That's why I pulled a few little sort of sayings that can I think they are appropriate and talk about what goes on in our heads. The first one goes like this. Never waste your time trying to explain yourself to someone who is committed to misunderstanding you. (laughs) Now, we wouldn't say that if we had great relationships with everybody and we liked everybody that we ran into and everybody in our life. But let's be honest. There's times in our lives when we just feel like we just can't get over something with another person. Or here's one I like. I'm thankful for all those difficult people in my life. They show me exactly who I don't want to be. You know the problem with that? The people that we have a hard time with, they're saying it about us. goes both ways. The last one I'd like to share is actually one that if you walk into our house, you'll see it right as you first come into our house, but don't take offense because this is not directed towards any of you. I know it's directed towards me by my wife when it says, dogs welcome, people tolerated. You know at those moments when she's upset with me, I think she wants to say, dogs welcome, husbands tolerated. There are just times when relationships are hard. There are times when we encounter people that we really wish they weren't in our lives. And if we're going to be about growing relationships, we can't bury ourselves in the sand and ignore certain people and act like God hasn't brought everybody into our life. Do I get an amen? amen. Everybody. Let's, let's hear this concept here because this is really what the text is about. All those encounters in our life, all those people, not just the ones that we choose and want to have there in our lives, all of them are important for us. And that's why with these two prophets, as Obadiah and Elijah are walking down the road one day, they discover something that we all need to understand in our life is that God guides for His purposes. We wished it was all for our purpose. We wished that everybody that we encountered was to enhance our life and make our life better. How much easier it would be if we just walked down the road and we ran into somebody and they say, oh, hi, how are you doing today? I just happened to have a $1,000, let me give it to you. That's just not how life works. A lot of times, the things that are going on in our life, if we are being led by the Holy Spirit, is we come across people and we have encounters that all have to do with God's purposes. Perhaps that person needs a word of encouragement. Perhaps the person just needs us to pray with them or pray for them or talk to them. Verse 7, we're told, it's just an everyday happening in life. Sort of reminds me of the Beatles song, A Day in the Life. You know, life just happens. And this day we're told that Obadiah was on his way, and behold, Elijah met him. Two guys just out doing their business, and they have this chance encounter. Now the background is there's been a drought in Palestine, And the king, who is a wicked king, Ahab, the Bible's great. It says Ahab is wicked. Ahab is real wicked. Ahab is more wicked than any other king who went before him. Like, this is a bad dude, guys. This is a person who's running the country who is not a very nice fella. And the problem is, he blamed Elijah, one of those two men. He said, I know what's going on in this kingdom. I know why God has not been favor to us or the gods because he also is not being faithful in his worship of God. He's blaming the prophet Elijah. Elijah that day is walking down the road and he's determined in his heart that God is leading him to actually confront King Ahab. And he's going right to the palace and he's going to meet him and he's going to tell him, you know, Ahab, you're the problem, you need to repent. And now he meets Obadiah, another prophet. Obadiah was a faithful prophet. He was a person who lived faithfully for God, no matter what Ahab or Jezebel, the king or the queen, were doing. In fact, the scripture makes it clear that we heard it in our text this morning that when they were trying to kill the prophets... This guy Obadiah is such a faithful man that he hides these other prophets, these people who are staying faithful to God, keeps them in a cave and feeds them and makes sure that he's protecting God's people. Now they have this chance meeting. But the other thing with Obadiah is Obadiah is not just a prophet. He has a really interesting job. He works for the king. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 6, that he's also the head of the king's household. Now, let's be honest. How many of us have ever had a bad boss? Somebody you didn't like to work for, any of us, including me. Come on, it's happened. This guy has the worst boss. He's got a really tough thing going on in his life because he's living faithfully for God, and his employment He's working for the king who's trying to kill all the good people in the kingdom and who's trying to blame Elijah for the problems. Man, we think we have it tough sometimes in our lives. Well, these two were at different stages in their life. Young Elijah is a brass young man out to change things, out to change the world and confront the king. Obadiah was a seasoned veteran. He'd learned to care for the outcast, but he had also learned in his life how to get along and how to work things out. Just think of how different they are, these two guys who encounter each other. One is there to change the world, and the other is there to say, you know, you kind of got to nuance some of it and figure it all out. But both prophets that day were exactly where God wanted them when God brought them together. Even though in their minds, they really didn't want to see each other. And especially Obadiah, this old veteran, didn't want to see Elijah because he knew that if the king finds out that he's encountered this guy, the king is going to kill him. It just simply makes me think of those times in our life when we encounter people that we don't want to encounter. We make a decision that we need to go to the store. And we have it all mapped out in our mind. We don't have a lot of time. It's a busy day, and we've got to get over to Market Basket or Stop and Shop, and we know the aisle. We're going to aisle number eight, halfway down there on the left, halfway up there is the very one thing that we need. We can get in and out of there quickly. Not only can we get in and out of there quickly, we walk into the store and we're feeling really good because there's nobody in the express line. And we go down, we turn around the corner, and there's that person who, every time we run into them, they talk to us for half an hour, and man, I don't want to see them today. And we start feeling bad about ourselves, and we start thinking, how do I get out of this? Well, that's what these prophets were experiencing with each other. Only they weren't afraid that they were going to spend 20 minutes talking to each other. Obadiah was thinking, oh my goodness, if I have this encounter, I could lose my life. It makes a difference when we start realizing that God is guiding us for his purposes. Because we start seeing those things in our life, those moments, and realize that they're divine appointments. Because too often, when we view our life, we think somehow things are by chance, and it's important if we're going to live by faith to realize that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and my life and every one of our lives. And if God's doing his work, there's times when we simply need to be open to God's work, which is why it's important to realize that coincidences in our life are not just coincidences. They're really God incidences. It's not just that we happen to run into that person that we don't want to talk to. Maybe that person's having a tough day, and God wants us to stop and have that conversation with them and cheer them up and encourage them. It's not just that on a particular day we have our own agenda and we're doing the things we want to do. If we're going to have godly growing relationships, we need to experience the encounters of our life and the people that we run into and the neighbors that we have and all of the people who are around us and realize that God is leading us and God wants us not to just think, oh, isn't it interesting who I live next door to? How do I actually get to know? the person I live next door to. It's not just that our kids happen to have friends. How do we get to know our kids' friends and their parents and start seeing the things in our life as God-incidences and God-directed? Obadiah was concerned that this would cause trouble for him. He was concerned in his life that this was the last thing he wanted to do. In the kingdom, Yahweh and trusting in God was now old-fashioned, kind of like I think about our country some days. We look at how people live, and it seems like sort of being a Christian is sort of out of date and old-fashioned. The new thing was Baal worship, and that's what King Ahab was trying to get everybody to convert over to, And so these two people who encounter each other that day really did have something in common, and that was their faith. And now they were there not just simply to encounter each other, but to encourage each other, and to encourage each other to stay faithful and to stay true to what they believed and realize that God was present and God was going to get them through. We grow in our lives You and I get to be more godly people and more able to see the Holy Spirit working in our lives when we start seeing God incidences everywhere because they're around us every day. Every single moment of every day, wherever we go, if we start looking at the things that are around us, we can start seeing them as divinely appointed moments. A few years ago, we had our first experience with taking a high school group on what is called UM Army. And it's an opportunity for high school kids to go with leaders in their church and to meet people from other churches as the kids spend a week just serving people in a community. And so we took a group of young people from our church and we took them up to Elliott, Maine. And as things would go along, I became one of the leaders and I discovered that When I got there, I didn't think I was going to have a lot of responsibility. I thought I was just driving kids up. And they said, oh, no, you become one of the team leaders. I said, okay, what does that mean? That says, well, you get four kids who are going to be in your car, and you get to take them around, and you get to do different projects. Now they asked me, what are you skilled at doing? I like the laughter. (laughs) I said, well, I know how to take kids to coffee shops. I know where Dairy Queen is, too, and I know where all the good ice cream stores are up here because my nephew used to live down the street. They said, yeah, no, those aren't qualifications. You're going to have to help these kids do some work. So we basically became the group of kids, myself and these four kids, who got all the tasks that nobody else wanted to do, like go rake leaves over there, or we got to scrape paint off of a building. Other youth were doing all these cool things. They were building sheds and, and... a deck, and they were all excited, and finally the kids in my group said, you know, Pastor Stan, like, the coffee shops are great, and we've had our fill of donuts, and I'm sure mom and dad are going to be excited because we did do some work, but could we ask, like, if there could be a really cool project for us? And I said, sure. So I went, and I met with the person who was ahead of it, and I said, I think the Troops are getting a little restless here. Do you have some big project that we could do? And they said, well, it's kind of late in the week, but we do have an azalea bush that needs to be changed. I go, an azalea bush? I said, yeah, that's pretty much all we have. And I said, okay. So they give me a Lowe's card, and they send me over with the kids to go meet this older gentleman, and we drive over to his house, and we drive in, and he's not very talkative, and we all sit down, and I said, I understand you need a new azalea bush. He goes, yep. Azalea bush out there died. I'm like, okay, do you have something you want? He goes, nope, another azalea bush will be just fine. Awesome. So we get the kids, we're driving the car, go over to Lowe's and we go looking around and they walk in and they're looking for the azalea bush and of course I didn't know what there's different kinds of azalea bushes and different colors and I said, I have no idea. The guy hasn't told us, let's just buy a bush. So we buy the bush, we put it in the car, we're driving it back and one of the kids says, let's name the bush we're going to name the bush? They said, yeah, this is our big thing we're doing for the week, Pastor Stan. Let's name the bush. I said, sure, Zachariah. They go, what kind of a name is that? I said, I don't know. It's a biblical name. They said, I don't want to name it Zachariah. So the kids start talking. I say, how about Larry? Nope, don't want to do Larry. One of the girls speaks up and says, how about Betty? I said, Betty's a silly name. Well, now it's me against all the kids, and they're all determined. Nope, Betty it is. I get outvoted, four to one. So we drive back. I know a little bit about planting bushes. We dig our big hole. We put our dirt in, put the azalea bush in, get rid of the old bush, put some water on it, and we walk in and go meet the gentleman. And I said, your new azalea bush is out there. He goes, looks nice. Good. I said, what kind of bush was there before? I did not know, an azalea bush. I said, what color was it? I don't remember, but it was a nice bush. He said, OK. And I said, kids, maybe you should tell him what we did, how we named the bush. And one of the girls spoke up and said, yeah, we named the bush Betty. And he teared up. They said, you named my bush Betty? We said, yeah. And he said, my wife planted that bush. She died unexpectedly this last January. Her name was Betty. How do we experience those encounters we have in our life? Those people we run into, those opportunities to talk to someone or be of service or meet someone on the road or meet someone in the grocery store? Do we see ourselves as just happenstance walking through life or do we understand that God has a plan and a purpose and people are not irritants, they're not difficult, people are people and that God is guiding and directing us. And it's not a coincidental life we live. It's a God-incidental life. And then in the relationships that we make in life, they don't all have to be what we want. They don't all have to go the way that we want them to go. And in fact, we discover with God that God's relationships actually stretch us. They actually push us into new directions to be new people and to view the world differently than we would have had we not encountered the people that we do. Verses eight and nine, we're told Elisha answered, and said his I Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And Obadiah responds and says, What have I sinned? That you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? You see, Ahab truly lived in two worlds. From his youth, the Bible tells us, he was a faithful believer in God. He trusted with the Lord, with everything in his life. But at the same time, he had this unethical boss. And he lived for the king and did work for the king. And the last thing he wanted to do is see the very guy that the king was out to get, who was also a godly person because it put him in an uncomfortable situation and he just didn't want to deal with it. Do you know what Obadiah discovered that day? God doesn't care if we're comfortable. He doesn't take an inventory. God doesn't call us up in the morning and say, you know what, before I give any guidance to anybody or let my Holy Spirit work in anybody's lives, I want to find out what's comfortable for you. I want to see what relationships you want to make today. I want to see what experiences you have and you want in your life. Rather, God wants us to understand that when we have experiences, there are times they're going to be tough. There are times when it's not going to make sense. And so Obadiah has lived his whole life saying, wow, has God stretched me because, look, he gave me the worst boss that a person can possibly have. But now God stretches him again and says, now it's an opportunity to realize that the people that we encounter are not there to make our life easy. When we get that concept in our lives as Christians, it's not that life becomes easier, but it starts to make sense because we start realizing that the experiences that we have and the people that God has put in our place are there for a greater purpose, maybe to help us come to terms with something in our life, maybe to teach us patience. God forbid that any of us should have patience. But we pray for it and then we call up our pastor and start crying on the phone saying, you know, I prayed for patience and how come all these difficult people are in my life? Maybe God's teaching us patience. And then there's one last thing we discover in this encounter between these guys. And that's that our words matter. Did you know that you and I have absolutely no control over what somebody else is going to say? How many of you have figured that out yet? I turned 60 this year. I finally figured it out. I have no control over what somebody else says. Come on. How many of us have learned that in our life? But you know whose words we do have control over? Ours. We have control over our own tongues, not anybody else's. And so we hear these words in verse 15 that Elijah speaks and he says, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went out to meet Ahab and he told him, and Ahab goes out and meets Elijah. Elijah's words mattered. He knew that when he spoke, if he said something, he was going to do it. And so that day, as he encounters the old prophet, he says to him, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of integrity. If I tell you I'm going to go see your boss, the king, today, you can go to bed and go rest on that because I can guarantee I'm going to be there. Because if he doesn't show up and the king finds out that Obadiah has been with Elijah, Obadiah is in trouble. But as long as Elijah really means what he says and his word is his bond and he's truthful, Obadiah is okay with everything. And all they do is build a closer relationship. Honesty, consistency, integrity. They're not just words. They're not just nice glowing concepts that we throw around. They are essential. But they're not essential for everyone else. They're essential for us. It's what do my words mean? How do I treat another person? How do I... Keep the words I say to someone else. Jesus put it this way. He said, don't take an oath. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by the earth. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Same thing these two young men, an old man, learned that day on the road. If I'm going to say something, it needs to be true. As I was working on my sermon this week, and thinking of words mattering, and thinking of our integrity and our honesty in who we are, I remembered back to an experience that I hadn't thought of for a long time. When I was a kid growing up in Weinberg, North Dakota, population 482, I played on a little league baseball team. Now, to play on our baseball team, you didn't have to be very good. You just had to be alive, and you had to be the right age. As long as you were living and you were the right age, they would find a position for you because in a little town like that, the only thing that we really tried to do is make sure we had somebody at each position because otherwise you'd show up for the game and you'd forfeit against the other team. Now, on our team was a kid named Pat who was really good. He was by far our best baseball player. And I remember one day, and it came back very clear to me, that he and I were together in the morning and we were going to play the game in the afternoon and he got all excited and he said, Stan, my dad's going to be at the game today. I said, great. And then I thought about it, and I thought, I've never met Pat's dad. I never met him. I'd never seen him anywhere. And we did some different things during the day, and he kept telling me, my dad's going to be at the game today. Now, this was the best player on our baseball team. I was only there because they needed another warm body. And we got to the baseball game, and my mom and dad were sitting in the stands, but you know who wasn't there? Pat's dad. It wasn't there. Our words matter. What we say and whether we show up and whether we live with integrity makes all the difference. Now I realize as I tell a story like that, we can all have experiences in our life where we can feel like my friend Pat and there's nothing we can do about it. We talked about that earlier. Who can we control? Ourselves. Whose words do we have say over? Ourselves. But the point still of the story, as I read about Obadiah and Elijah, is learning to understand that all those relationships in our lives matter. We are called to realize that our encounters every day are not just chance encounters, they're God incidences. We are called to realize every single day that the relationships in our life that are difficult are okay because relationships are supposed to stretch us. We live every single day realizing that God has appointments and work for us and we need to be able to be okay with that. But it's also important, if we're going to have growing relationships, to learn to be like Elijah. I guarantee from the moment he left Obadiah, everything in his mind said, did I really promise I was going to go see the king today? But he said what he said, and he meant what he meant, and he was a man of integrity. And if we are going to be Christians and faithful to God's call in our life, we also need to understand that our words matter. What we say to others, how we treat others, and how we stand behind our words are important. We're going to close our service as we do each week and inviting you that if there's something you'd like to come forward to pray about, we invite you to come forward. Alona is at a different church praying this morning, or preaching at a different service, but we still have a time. If you'd like to come forward, we'd like to pray with you. There may be something in your life or a person that you're struggling with. We invite you just to come forward, and we'll pray for you and for your relationship with that person. It may be that you have a hard time finding meaning in your life or realizing that God is really directing and guiding your path. Just come forward. We'll have a prayer with you about that. But I'd also like to say something about the final song that we're doing as we enter our time of prayer. It was written by a guy named Judson Vandernecker. He was a teacher and an artist. And as an artist, he realized that he could make a lot of money because he was very popular. But he also had a gift of encountering people and he had become an evangelist. And one day, he had to come to a decision in his life. Was he going to pursue money? Or is he going to pursue what God called him to do? And that day, he said what he realized what was holding him back was surrendering. Surrendering everything to God. And so he gave us one of the most beloved hymns of the church. I invite you also to sing it as a prayer as we close our service. I surrender all.